Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Ollie. And I'm Liam. And for those that don't know, or if we've got any new listeners, each week we take a topic that we don't know very much about, and we give ourselves just a week to read and research all about it. Now, this being the end of the series, this episode is not quite like that, is it? No. So this is where we then have our series wrap up and we look back at the topics that we've done. And so everyone knows we're not experts in everything that we've talked about. But hopefully by summarising the things that we've learned with everybody, we can all learn a little bit about a whole lot of things. Exactly. So let's get on with this week's topic, which isn't a topic per se, but we call this And Another Thing. All right, Ollie, we've made it to the end of Series 7. Who'd have thought our little podcast would go for seven series? Series 7, wow. Crazy, right? Yeah, big thank you to everybody who's listening to us all around the yeah. world. It's um, yeah, All joined in, or sent messages, or commented on anything we've done, or got involved on social media, all those things. It's, it's really cool. We were actually mentioned a couple of them actually during this, just this episode, weren't we? Um, so this is our, our wrap-up isn't it? So we, we finished the series essentially, but as, as the series is going on and as we're releasing episodes, things do happen around the world. So there's always just a tiny bit of an update on some of the, not all the topics, but some of the topics have got a little bit of something extra definitely that we can then talk about. Yeah. So we'll be summarizing any of the notable or newsworthy updates that might've come out over this series. Some of them are a bit more obvious than others. Chat GPT being super relevant. The poems from a couple of yeah. hundred years ago, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, Terracotta Army, not much has changed. <laughs> but there is still some good stuff in this. So yeah, stick around and we'll we'll update you on what's what's been happening. We had somebody ask us the other day, which is quite nice of them, if we had any merch and if we had any t-shirts that were, were available of Two Guys, One Topic. And so I think we haven't mentioned this in, I don't know, maybe like, four series that we have actually yeah. got our own little merch and items that if you are a fan of two guys one topic love you to get involved and just head along to two guys one topic.com and then you'll see that there's the link for you to get any t-shirts or merch or caps or badges on there yeah exactly yeah we were a bit more focused on releasing content rather than actually plugging our merch but yeah by all means get out there and get some t-shirts or something and uh tag us in them when you've got them that'd be pretty cool wouldn't it definitely definitely so here we go then should we have a look at them and maybe just run through it in order yeah got so what, i've what got a challenge out? for you this week that oh, we'll, no. what we'll do is name the topic right that we did and then i want you and me to just off the top of your head the the thing that popped that you remembered okay, okay. we we always say that the whole point of this podcast is just to remember a little bit about everything <laughs> now I'm the first to admit, I can't remember everything I learned about everything we've ever done, but there's, <laughs> there's a nugget of information I know about everything. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So what is that nugget? And it might be that we've both remembered the same thing, but we're just going to, we'll say the topic and we'll just, what do you remember straight off? And then we'll just see if there's anything else. Just learn a little bit about a whole load of things. That's what we say, don't we? Hold a conversation yeah. with somebody and know that you can have a little chat with it. Okay. So the first episode of the series was about lighthouses, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Do you, what do you remember about lighthouses? So something that surprised me is that they are available in different colours. So they're not all just red and white. Available as if they're to purchase. 
<laughs> so they, they actually exist in different colors. And it makes sense, depending on the background that they're set, they then might need to be a different color. So there's no point just having a um, yeah a, a white, white lighthouse with a load of white rocks behind it. You'd probably want that as a different color. Um, yep. The other thing that I remembered was the, the Fresnel lens. Oh, nice. Yeah. So how they then magnify the light. Um, like 20 times more than what they are able to do. And then on the lights, for me, it was that the lights, they've got different lengths of flashing or different combinations of flashing. And that's because each lighthouse is individual. So you can sort of um, map by them. Yeah, that's my number one. They're used for navigation just as much as they are a warning. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you know which lighthouse, you, you know that there should be one that's going flash, flash 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 and that means that you are outside dover or something or wherever and then you go down the coast a little bit more and there's another one flashing you can use them to navigate you know when it's dark so you know where you are just as much as oh there's some rocks there better not go near that flashing light yep and i thought that was really interesting that, yep. that they used them like that so we actually did this episode because it, it was at, we nearly did it at the end of the last series it was up for vote um, w- when we did our v- our um, listener choice, didn't we? That's right. And it, it didn't win, but we liked it so much we did it anyway. So we then sent a message to the guy who suggested it, a guy called Richard, and uh, we asked him. Look, I know it, we didn't do it as an actual listener choice episode, but what do you want? Did you want to tell us anything about lighthouses? Right? Yes. Yeah. And he was he was up. I think you set the challenge. You said, "Let us know, let us know, and and come on." Uh come on here or just send us an update and we'll then read it out to everybody. You had quite an interesting aspect of lighthouses you want to talk about, which was the oldest working lighthouse. And he sent us a brilliant email on this. Do you want me just to read it out? Yeah, yeah. We asked for a voice note, didn't we? But he couldn't get it to work. So this this is a direct quote of his email. Yeah, go for it. Read out what he's told us. Hi, Ollie and Liam. Okay, let me start by telling you what I knew about La Torre de Hercules. It's the oldest working lighthouse situated in the northwest coast of Spain in the city of La Coruña, facing the Atlantic Ocean. It was built by the Romans, and until fairly recently, you could walk in and walk up to a viewing platform, which is just under the actual light. Now, you need to buy a ticket, like any other historical attraction, and the image of the tower is used as an emblem around the city, like the Statue of Liberty in New York. So you'll see it on taxis, council buildings, the basketball team's badge, and things like cycling groups and children's play areas. And so what Richard then decided to do was combine it with ChatGPT, another topic that we then did. And he did some cross-research and found out that it was a UNESCO heritage site. And he then also figured out that it was built by the Romans in the second century, it sits on a 57 meter high rock. And then the tower itself is 34 meters in structure. Over the centuries, it's had renovation work and also electricity added to it because of the things that Romans weren't able to do for us. So yeah, there's a lot more to add about it, but as it's just a recap, he thought he'd let us know. So that is Richard's update on the oldest working lighthouse in the world, which is called La Torre de Hercules. The Tower of Hercules. Do you reckon we could have three guys one topic? He's researched that more than we did. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, basically, we've inspired someone to basically do what we do. Like, what is it you don't know about? Go learn about it. 
So yeah, so, thank you for that, Richard. Thank you for for helping us with that. We have got a very funny. I think this is funny. The listeners might disagree. We got a funny story, don't we, about lighthouses? This is good. So this apparently is the actual transcript of a radio conversation between the British and the Irish Navy off the coast of yeah. Kerry, which is somewhere in yeah. Ireland. And yeah, it takes place yeah with the the chief of naval operations, and this this dates back to two thousand and one, apparently. So if we're going to read this out, so shall shall I be the Irish and you be the the British? Yeah, you're going to try and do an accent or not? Because I I mean I sound British anyway, so I'm okay. No, you you can put on your best naval British okay. Go on then. voice. So here we go then. Please divert your course fifteen degrees to the south to avoid a collision. <laughs> How's the British accent go? <laughs> Recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Negative. You have to divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. This is the captain of a British Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Negative. I say again, you will have to divert your course. This is the aircraft carrier, HMS Britannia, the second largest ship in the British Atlantic fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. I say again, that is 15 degrees north. All countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. We're a lighthouse. Your call. Oh, man, we need to go back to the uh, very first series about jokes. <laughs> yeah, let's ask Jen Brister how you'd say that joke. <laughs> anyway. I liked it as a joke. Right. Well, that's Lighthouses. Come on. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully everyone's picked themselves up the floor, uh, stopped rolling around laughing. So, yeah, mosquitoes was our next topic. So you tell me, okay. then, what is it that you remembered about mosquitoes? Only the female mosquito bites you, and she's not biting you to feed, like to eat. She's biting you to feed her young that are inside her. So she uses like your blood to feed her babies that are in her. That was the yeah biggest standout thing for me. Yeah, that they go. they actually feed off pollen and plants like yeah other insects do, but it's and it's just the females, and it's only them that hum as well. So if you've yep. got a mosquito flying around you, it's humming. It's definitely a female. Um, so not a lot has changed with mosquitoes, but we did say at the time, why don't they all spread? Uh, why don't they spread all diseases? Because we know they spread malaria yep. and, and dengue fever and things like that, but they don't spread everything. So I said at the time, don't they spread everything? So I had a little look into it and uh, it turns out. So the reason is pretty simple. Basically, the mosquitoes have got their own immune system. And if, if they bite something that has a different disease, I don't know, like the flu or something, their own immune system is strong enough to fight it off because they're only consuming a tiny amount of it, aren't they? Think how much they're actually, how many germs they're actually taking on board of that virus. Their body can fight off. And even if their body can't fight it off and they do pass it to you, they pass such a minute amount to you that your body will fight it off. A bit like, um, you know, when you have an inoculation or like a vaccine, they don't they give you like a live little bit or something that your body fights off to create antibodies or something. So the, the mosquito-borne viruses, the viruses that they can transmit, they transmit because they require such a small amount to be transmitted or that the mosquitoes themselves can't fight them off and they become, you know, they multiply inside the mosquito's body to a point Yeah, that where, makes sense. 
yeah. get too much. But yeah, that was all. Yeah, definitely. The other thing as well we were talking about at the time is that mosquitoes, they, they're attracted to you for carbon dioxide and the heat that you give off, and they actually see you as well. And there've been a whole load of studies that they keep on running that sort of verify this as well. So they're, they're trying to figure out why uh, mosquitoes bite certain people and don't bite others. And so there's in the news, there seems to be loads of studies that they're trying to work this out. And then the other good thing as well is where they're trying to use antibodies in mosquitoes to then pass that round to people to then avoid diseases being spread. So yeah, that, yeah. that's continuing. Okay. So episode three was? Fortune telling. Now, not a lot has changed here. And also, I didn't believe it at the time and I don't believe it now. But <laughs> what did you remember about it? The Barnum statement. The Barnum, That's what I meant, the, Bar- the Barnum effect. Yeah, same thing. Do you want to just recap what that is quick? So good. So good this where there was a, a professor who spoke to 20 different people and he said them, I will tell you about your personality and who you are and what your fortune entails. He spoke to them all individually. He wrote down on a piece of paper what it was, put it in an envelope, told them all to read it completely separately. And each person opened it up and went, wow, I can't believe it. Just from those few questions, you've un- completely understood my personality. Yeah. yeah. It turns out he'd given everybody the same answer, but just made these positive, ambiguous statements that people yeah. go, yeah, you know what? That is me. Yeah, I do work too hard. Yeah, yeah and I am, I am hard on myself sometimes. And yeah, you, I am you, super you, generous. Yeah, you trust people, but you find it hard to trust people once they lied to you. Well, who's going to say that's not me? Yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah. And that, like sort of, you know, there's no science behind fortune telling, was there? And it was all, it's all, um, it's all psychology and how, you know, people and fair play, people can believe whatever they want to believe, obviously. And I think sometimes, you know, like you're saying, I, I read a, fact, uh, a statement, a, a quote even that said, if you keep saying things are going to be bad, you have a good chance of becoming a prophet. The point being, you know, you keep yeah. saying something is going to happen. And when it does happen, someone is going to believe you because they listen to you and they'll be like, well, that was, you actually suggested that. But Yes. Yeah, yeah. And just um, how how there's a, a skill to cold reading. I definitely, definitely recommend that as an episode for people to go back and just listen to, um, you know, cold readings, horoscopes and what have you. One of the things that we stumbled into when we were doing that is the official terminology for a lot of the styles of fortune telling, they have a similar ending to the word because we, everyone knows we, we love our etymology and like where the words come from and stuff. And we realize that tarot reading or palm reading, a lot of them have a fancy word that ends in mancy. So you were going to look into it, weren't you? Yeah. So tarot reading is called taromancy or cartomancy. Uh, palmistry or like reading your palm is called chiromancy. Uh, crystal ball gazing is called crystallomancy. Tea leaf reading is called taseomancy. They all end with this word mancy. And the word mancy comes from the Greek word mantia, which means divination or divination. And so the word mancy indicates the practice of seeking knowledge or insight through a particular method or object associated with divination. I don't know if that's what divination. Yeah, divination. Yeah, so like, you know, through the divine, like prediction of the future. Yeah. Um, so they all end in Mancy because that's basically what you're doing. So like predicting the future with cards, predicting the tarot, future by, as in, the, as in tarot, by the palm. Tarot cards, yeah, tarot yeah. cards. 
uh, crystallomancy, etc. So the word mancy is just basically means to make a prediction. Nice. The other day update that we had, and weirdly, it was the week that the episode came out. I think it was the next day, wasn't it? Yeah. One of the most famous fortune tellers in the UK, at least, someone called Mystic Meg. She died at the age of 80. Yeah, she was very famous in the late 90s, or middle of the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. She used to predict like the lottery, didn't she? And horoscopes and things on the TV. Uh, so, yeah. All sorts of poorly timed jokes around. Surely she would have seen it coming and what have you, but oh yeah. dear. Can't Another joke. That. Another joke's fallen flat. Okay, come on. What's next? Uh, energy drinks. Okay. So basically, the main one I remember is that a Red Bull has less caffeine in it than a cup of coffee, about half a cup of coffee, of like an average cup of coffee. So if, you, if you're worried about, oh, I'm going to get loads of caffeine in drinking this Red Bull, you're not. Go and have a cup of coffee if you want more caffeine. And like, you know, if people tell you it's bad for you, the sugars, absolutely. It's got absolutely boatloads of sugars in it. Loads and loads, like a whole day's worth, doesn't it? Like your whole day's worth of sugar. But caffeine, not quite so much. That was the big thing for me. That was a surprise. So I think it's actually saying that a standard can of Red Bull has half the amount of caffeine as what you would get from a, a medium or a 12 ounce cup of coffee from yep. Starbucks. So it's yep. got half the amount of caffeine, but as you were saying, boatloads of sugar in it. The other thing I remember was we were talking about the energy drinks sort of came out around the 1950s, born out of too much amphetamine use in Japan. And then wanting to then come up with a way where people could then perk themselves up, but yeah. not be using amphetamines. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a lot has changed. There's not a lot, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of talk about how dangerous they are, how much caffeine they've got. Prime energy, you know, the prime drink at the minute, there's all the rage. It's an energy drink uh, made by, is it KSI and Logan Paul? Yep. Uh, they've got a drink called Prime Hydration. They've since brought out one called Prime Energy, but their energy drink has loads more caffeine in it. At least double a Red Bull in a can of, of Prime, uh, in a bottle of Prime. So it has 200 milligrams in 350 milliliters. So more than double easily more than double and so, there was a there was an incident in the uk wasn't there with a girl that then needed to have a stomach pump yeah yeah yeah. primary a primary school student so she's under 11 years old 11 or under so yeah had to have a stomach pump apparently after drinking a prime energy so calls to ban it or for such yeah next topic that we went into was the terracotta army oh a lot's changed there Lots and by lots, I mean absolutely no things. So there's no update except to say, what do you remember about the Terracotta Army? For me, what blew my mind was about just how recently that it was found. It was in 1974, so it'd been lying there, unknown, and yeah, since 1974. And then once they found it, just how many of them there were, thousands of these life-size army ready to go effectively. Life-size, full weaponry. Uh, the whole army, the the musicians, the chefs, the entertainers, everything is all there. Um, yeah, he he made them because uh, in the belief that whatever you whatever you take with you comes to life in the afterworld. Yeah, that's it. But you, were you and, saying uh, there him? That was pretty impressive as well. The person who ordered to have them made was a guy called Emperor Quinn, and he was 
super influential in loads of stuff that happened in China, wasn't he? Like standardizing language, standardizing units of measure, currency, and joining these seven kingdoms together that he then ruled all of them. And this is going back going back a couple of thousand years. Yeah. But yeah, but nothing's changed. So I'm afraid there's no update. If you've been listening to this just to get to the end of the Terracotta Army update, there isn't one. Oh, but do let us know if you've been. Love to know people's experience. Yeah. If you've been there and if, if we should then sure. go along to it. For sure. So next. Chat GPT. Oh, yeah. So this is pretty relevant. What do you remember about this, Liam? Chat GPT is basically super clever predictive text. It's just yeah. worked out over loads of time what the best answer is to everything that it gets asked. And it is and it has just got better and better and better at doing that. And, and the more it does, it's like a cycle, isn't it, where it just gets better and better. The more people use it, it's exponential. So to begin with, there's a few thousand people using it. There's millions of people using it. It's just getting better and can answer more and more things more accurately. Yeah, what about yourself? So I had a real-life example of putting the podcast to use the other day when I was in the pub. Like Exactly what it was designed for. Someone was talking about chat GPT, and then somebody else said, yeah, what does the G, the P, and the T stand for? Uh, I thought, I actually know this. I was like, here we go then. So the G is for generative, so it generates an answer for you. The P is for pre-trained, so that means it's been taught a bunch of stuff that it then can then respond to you. And the T is for transformer, so it takes your input and transforms it to an output. Yeah. So yeah, so I actually knew what the G, the P, and the T was in uh, Chat GPT. So I, I think the biggest story. Well, there's a couple of stories. Firstly, there's there was an interview came out by Michael Schumacher. A magazine came out saying the first interview with Michael Schumacher. Now I don't know if many how many people know he was a super famous motor racing driver. Yep, crashed when he was skiing. Has been in a coma ever since for years and years now. Nobody really know. They've kept it. The family have kept it very quiet, like how he is. But this magazine came out and said, oh, we've got an interview with Michael Schumacher. Turns out the whole interview was done using chat GPT, wasn't it? Like yeah. answering as if it was Michael Schumacher. Pretty, pretty grim, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, yeah, they're then going to be sued. Um, the magazine for actually running that story. And then there's yep. somebody else who's going to sue. So there's an Australian mayor who he was then going to, he is going to run a lawsuit, a defamation lawsuit, apparently against chat GPT. So there was a guy who called Brian Hood, who he wanted to be elected as a mayor, but it turned out that ChatGPT falsely used his name and saying that he was a guilty party in a foreign bribery scandal that took place. Um, And so obviously he doesn't want it to say that. And so he needs ChatGPT to correct itself. For some reason, it's made that link or connection saying that he went to prison when he never did. So that's obviously big news because we were saying, weren't we, that it will give you a load of results back that appear to be correct, but there could still be some errors in what it's saying. Cause it's not intelligent. It doesn't know what it's telling you. It's just no. mathematically put in the next word that makes most sense in that sentence. Yeah. And when not- the, um, when the quality control, like work with it. So like to begin with, or even now they'll ask it a question it would give them 20 different responses and they would rank the responses to tell it, oh, this is the best response. This is the next one. Yep. We read, didn't we, that they they tended to like responses that were very wordy, very verbose because yes. it just looked better. So that they would always get a better score. 
which is why sometimes you put an answer in and all I want is a two word answer and it gives you a paragraph because it's been trained <laughs> yeah. that that's a better yeah. answer, but it isn't always a better answer. No, there was another incident where Samsung, so apparently their workers, they accidentally shared a load of code that they'd written in chat GPT. We were talking about one of the uses for it is it can correct code and it can tighten up code that you've then written. And what these workers at Samsung did is they uploaded it and said, can you sort out this code, see if there's any errors or correct it? Not realizing that when you then put anything in chat GPT, it uses it again to learn about what it's being taught again. And it sort of recycles that stuff. And then that stuff is just open out there to the public. So Samsung put some really important information about their semiconductors that they use in, in their manufacturing as well. And somebody else in Samsung, Samsung did it three times. They asked it to summarize a meeting for them as well. So they typed out the meeting notes, uploaded it Uh to GPT and said, summarize this meeting. All of it was highly confidential stuff that shouldn't go anywhere. So yeah, they've been caught out a couple of times. And then I suppose the biggest news with it is this week with the creator. creator. Yeah, they're they're basically in front of the US Senate. They're, you know, the, the U.S. Senate, they are they're basically trying to work out whether they need to, like, put some laws in place about, with regards to the whole AI, you know, everything to do with AI. And they were interviewing Sam Altman, um, the chief executive of OpenAI, who are the company that own ChatGPT. He himself basically said that this could be quite dangerous. Yeah, he's he's advocating for laws and guide rails to be put in place so that yeah. people then can't use it for for you know for, for bad means so it's been likened to that we're, we're at the point where this chat gpt and ai is going to be fundamental and in, in the way that we operate in the future and it was likened either in a positive way saying that it's like the printing press before that came out or in a bad way it's like somebody's invented the atomic bomb and that could, yeah. you know, have horrendous impact on the world. So at this at this point, making sure that it's used for good. Yeah, well, we'll see. Just remember that printing press, though. I'm going to mention the printing press later, randomly. Never mentioned it before. It's going to come up twice in about 10 minutes. <laughs> okay, next. Diamonds. Okay, so not a lot, not a lot has changed, but a couple of things. So uh, things I remember about diamonds, the four C's of diamonds. Not the three C's. Now, there were three C's, but that's what I thought they were. When I did the episode, it turns out there were four. Yeah. So the cut, how they are cut, because the way they are cut can affect how the light hits them. And obviously, the better the cut, the nicer. The color of the diamond literally says what it is. The clarity, which is essentially how see-through it is, how clean it is, how many um, imperfections there are, things like that. And the carrot, which is like sort of the weight of the diamond, isn't it? The mass of the diamond. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. For me, for me, they were they were the things that I remembered but it was also how the color scale the best in the color scale it starts at D and goes down yeah. to Z like, yeah. that's good so go back and listen if you want to know why does it start at D why on earth would the best one be D and the worst one be yeah, Z I've got a D grade diamond yeah mate that's billions of pounds <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and then the other one for me is carrots and how and why they measure measure them in carrots the carob seed. What? <laughs> Apparently all carob seeds are exactly identical and that you can weigh a diamond versus a bunch of carob seeds and that would tell you how heavy they were. 
That is nuts. Um, Something else that really jumped, there's loads of things to do with diamonds that that jumps out at me, is that the man-made diamonds, they're identical to the natural ones. So they... Absolutely. What's the word? That's not the word. Imperceptible. That's not the right word. Anyway, not that word. Indistinguishable. Indistinguishable. That's it. You could put them under a microscope. You wouldn't know. You would not know the difference between them. But they're about a third of the price. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually that will become a thing. They can create them in a lab. But, yeah, third of the price. Yeah, the only way you know is if you know they are. like. Yeah. And then the, the other one for me was how you told us about De Beers. De Beers changing the world's view on diamonds and getting people to then yeah. have them as Their an marketing, engagement gift. Marketing cam- campaign of, like, to end all marketing campaigns. Yeah. Diamond is a, diamond is a girl's best friend. A woman's best friend. We, we all heard that, right? That, yeah. That was a marketing slogan. And that just – that's why we give them – in weddings and things like that. Definitely go back and, and just hear Liam's little story about how Japan in particular, they changed their engagement habits um, because yeah. of the beers. That's that's an interesting story. So yeah, yeah. go back and get that. But a couple of stories, a couple of stories. Um, because of the ongoing conflict, the EU was planning on banning Russian diamond imports into the EU. Now, oh, that sounds like a big deal, but it turns out of all the Russia, so Russia, the biggest exporter, they export boatloads of diamonds every year so four billion four billion dollars worth of diamonds come yeah, to into the eu into the yeah. eu but that is only five percent of the world's diamond market yeah so russia which are the biggest exporters you know they're like well it's gonna hit them but it ain't gonna hit them that hard because 95 percent of the diamonds go elsewhere but the us they put sanctions on russia as well yeah. haven't they and we learned that yeah. america buy about 50 percent of diamonds for the jewelry market so that's yeah that's maybe a little bit more of a hit but yeah, yeah. Their, their biggest export is gas yeah yeah about Petrol. 250 billion but we, we might get onto that in a minute as well um also the largest diamond in the world the koh-i-noor diamond which we know is in the crown jewels which we spoke uh, about was, yeah it was it's the largest most expensive diamond ever it was a gift wasn't it to was it queen elizabeth queen victoria queen victoria, queen victoria. so it's a gift it's now in the crown jewels and you're talking about relevance and, and such. India want it back, though, don't they? They're going through a phase of um, sort of claiming back things, artifacts, manuscripts, things that they think were stolen from them or that they deem yeah. to have been stolen. And they are actually, you know, they, they're on lots of missions around the world to collect these things back. Yeah. They now <laughs> actively trying to get this diamond back. Yeah. But it's in the crown jewels. And the, the, the reason why this has come up and been relevant again is because we've had the king's coronation yep. since we did the the episode on diamonds. So it it's understandable why it's been raised again. So the the Koinor diamond it's in the queen mother's crown, but it wasn't actually worn by Camilla, was it? No, at the at no. the coronation, so it was not to cause offence for yeah. for India. But it, apparently, apparently it was a gift to Queen Victoria by the East India Company. Yeah, and so not stolen in the first place. So, you know, I don't know, India claimed that it was stolen, so they should get it back. I'd love to know if the person who gifted it then ended up becoming a sir or an earl or, a, you know, <laughs> getting a title. But that's my cynical yeah. view. Yeah. Also, Pakistan, Afghanistan and Iran all claim ownership of this diamond. Like, maybe I should claim diamond. I, I, I claim ownership too. Like, <laughs> can anyone just claim it? <laughs> next we've got famous poems oh what do nothing's you, changed what do you now know about the famous poems that we covered so we covered i wonder lonely as a cloud by william wordsworth 
Yep. Shall I Compare Thee by Shakespeare and Do Not Go Gently by Dylan Thomas. Yeah, Do Not Go Gentle into that good night. Yeah. The main thing I remember is that Shall I Compare Thee, I like this, Shall I Compare Thee is a poem about a guy trying to compare his love to something and realising that anything that he compares his love to uh, will eventually die or, or pass, essentially. So, like, shall I compare you to a, was it, to a summer's day? Yes, shall I compare you to, like, like, a lovely day? Well, that's nice until you realise the sun disappears. Yep. You know, shall I compare you to something pretty that will eventually die, or a flower or a rose, whatever. And he realises that actually the thing to which I should compare you is this beautiful poem itself, because the poem and words are immortal. It's like a little twist. That was the the thing for me, where we went through all three of the poems and do not go gentle in that good night. It's talking about people making the most of their life and fighting dying. And in the last stanza, it then turns out he's talking about his dad. And then the other one, the William Wordsworth one, is where he wandered lonely as a cloud. He's talking about daffodils. He's talking about them as if he was there. And at the very end, it switches to it then being a memory. And he thinks about them when he's on his own. And the word that we then used at the time was a volta. So I've yeah, learned volta, that. The, the switch up, at the, almost like the twist at the end of a poem. Yep. Like you think you've read the whole poem thinking you're reading one thing. And then actually the whole thing twists around. And actually you, you're, it's actually about something else. Yeah, it's called a volta. But yeah, I, I, like nothing, I, nothing has changed, though, as far as poems. There's no I, news definitely feel way more cultured and I actually know those three poems now I could yeah. tell you who the poems are and a little bit about the authors of the poems I, I'd recommend yeah. going back if you want to feel a little bit more cultured it's quite yeah. good on the famous poems episode yeah the famous art as well way back in series one all right next episode Eurovision right this is the most I, I think this is the most noteworthy mainly because this was an event that happened when did it happen last week Maybe last weekend? I don't know when we're recording this. When's this going to get released? Maybe like two weeks ago. But more, <laughs> more importantly, what is it that you remember about it? So I remember how the voting works, how there's two sets of votes. Each country has a jury, which consists of five like industry experts. They vote on their favourite country songs. Favourite gets 12 points, next gets 10, next gets 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Um, but as well as the jury, they give a vote. Also, within a country, the public vote as well, and they give their favourite one, gets 12, 10, 8, 5, 4, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Um, so, yeah, so, for example, if we're watching it in England, there'll be a bunch of English industry experts who will vote who they think are the best, but then the English public will also vote for who they think will be the best. And quite often, as we'll find out in just a minute, there is a massive disparity between who the jury and the experts vote for and who the public want to win. Okay, yeah. What about yourself? For me, is how it all started. And it just being a oh, yeah. experiment, a TV experiment, seeing yeah. if they could do a live simultaneous broadcast yeah. across Europe effectively. That's the thing for yeah. me um, that sticks in my mind how it all came yeah. together. Because if you think about that now, you know, like we will happily just watch like the football happen or the tennis or any sporting event or, you know, you, you can watch anything from anywhere like right now. But back then this was like the first thing where it was like live in all the countries at the same time. Yeah. Like the first thing was, was this music competition. Yeah. And the, 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 the other thing that stuck in my mind was learning that it's the, the national broadcaster is sending an act. 
and that it's yeah. not it's not the music industry that's sending an act it's the national yeah. broadcaster representing the bbc or whoever it might be yeah to then go and win for the country yeah they're, they're a couple right. of things that, that stuck in my mind but then if we move on to this year bring it right up to date should we talk about who won this year laureen from sweden became a two-time winner did she not yeah, there was something special about that. She was only the second artist in history to win the, the contest twice. Yeah. So that was a big deal. And how many times have they won it now? Seven. Um, yeah, they're even with Ireland now, Sweden, won it seven times. It was the BBC's most viewed Eurovision final ever. So like we were saying about how it's it's like sort of social media has helped it like regain popularity almost. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a reason why countries get involved. Um, there's a cool fact about like, a shopping centre in Liverpool as well. Yeah, Liverpool One, which is the the main shopping centre. It was. It, we talk about why do countries or wider cities even want to host it in the first place, and it's because it boosts local trade. And they had a big yeah. uptake, didn't they? It was it like twenty million increase yeah, in a week, on the same in a week in the same time last year. Same week last year, twenty three percent rise, twenty million in a week. That's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's really um, good. And of course, now that Sweden have won it, that means that Stockholm, they'll be getting ready and they're planning to then host next year's one. Is it, have they announced it's going to be Stockholm? Because it can be anywhere, can't it? It doesn't ah. have to be like the capital. You know, I used to say it because it's like, it's in Liverpool, it's not in London, is it? Because don't you remember loads of places like voted, tried yeah. to get like Cardiff wanted it in England, yeah. Birmingham. Cardiff yeah. in England? Uh, sorry, in the UK. <laughs> I used to live there, I should have known that. Um <laughs> Interestingly, though, just talking about the voting, they have released the voting from the final. So the jury, so these are the professionals, the professionals watching gave Sweden the most points by absolutely miles, like double the amount of points they gave anybody else. 340 points. The next nearest was 177, which is Israel, right? So the, the professionals, in quotes, think Sweden are the best. But then the public absolutely smashed all their votes into Finland. So I don't know if you've seen Finland, the cha-cha-cha song, the guy in the green topless with that green funny sleeves on. and uh, But they didn't quite give it enough votes. So actually Sweden did win, but the public, you know, the majority of people wanted Finland to win um, by an absolute landslide. So there's, you know, a bit of a debate, like to what extent is this jury even important? Should, yeah. Isn't it not just the public? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Did you hold your annual Eurovision party this year? Uh, I can't say I did. Time... Um, because of time difference, you know, it started it started like 11 p.m. I was already asleep. <laughs> uh, nice. The next topic that we then covered was pizzas. Oh, this is my choice. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've used this fact about five times. Pizza Where's theorem. The, no. Where does the margarita come from? Yeah. Queen margarita. <laughs> Good, isn't it? So, there's a queen... Well, I've given it away. Queen Margarita. I don't think she was queen at the time, but she was certainly princess or something. She was touring around Italy uh, and she was in Naples where like pizzas were were like just sort of, sort of starting to kick off. And uh, she wanted to, apparently she wanted to eat like the people. So instead of eating all this posh, fancy food, they wanted to eat what the people eat. So they got her some pizza. They got her like a, just a traditional mozzarella and tomatoey pizza. She loved it. It then became known as the Margarita Pizza. And that's all you know. And there we go. So yeah. it got named after the Queen. Yeah, with some basil as well. So it had the, the colours of the flag. The white yeah. for the mozzarella, red for the tomato, and the green for the basil yeah. on top. And the, the thing that also stuck in my head from that is 
what we classify as a pizza and go back and listen to the episode to see about, you know, what, what is the definition of a pizza? But from what we know as a pizza, it's only been, it was 1889. So it's yeah. not that long ago, is it? 130 years, something. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Which, um, which was a surprise to me. We got some comments on our Instagram from people because you mentioned your takeaway about some crazy pizza toppings, right? From Sweden, eating some right random stuff. And then we messaged a few people and a couple of people got back to us, didn't they? Talking about- Yeah, it was brilliant. So yeah, on Instagram and on Twitter. So yeah, thank you very much to um, the handle of the Swedish one, which is Kejia. (laughs) I'm going to say that wrong. Kejia? Kejia Stina K? Maybe they'll send us another message telling us how to say their name. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, thank you very much. So um, actually a Swedish person where I said, I do has anyone actually eaten the banana curried pizza? And um, yeah, she came back to us to say, Oh yeah, definitely a thing. Can't say it's one of my favorites though, but apparently there are other combinations of peanuts and yellow curry, sirloin steak and bernese, bernese sauce, which sounds good, and then loads of seafood um pizzas as well that you can get and of course with it being sweden that there is a meatball one so yeah thank you very much nice and then we had another chap kevin anderson and so yeah kevin he was saying yeah he was in sweden for 15 years they had banana on a pizza and it was even more popular than pineapple sounds grim that was one of the things wasn't it where the name hawaiian pizza came from just the, the name of the can where the first man <laughs> he decided to put pizza on it. It was Hawaiian pineapples. So he just called it a Hawaiian pizza. That's we asked crazy. people, didn't we? We had a little vote on our Instagram of if people want Hawaiian pizzas, if they want pineapple on a pizza, does it belong on a pizza? And it turns out that 56% of people are quite happy to have pineapple on a pizza, which surprised me a little bit. Well, that is... Um... Scientific. There you go. The study's <laughs> Conclusive. Proved. Conclusive. We did mention in the episode just quickly about the Pizza World Championships. So just yeah. had a, a little look into this. I'm not going to profess that uh, I'm an expert on this at all, but it actually exists, doesn't it? Where people go along and they compete in all different pizza related activities to be yeah. like the world champion. Yeah. So there's a, yeah, a bunch of different rounds, but people turn up. You know, who can make the best classic pizza? Who can make the best pan pizza? Who can make the largest pizza? Who can um, expand? I can't remember the exact words. Who can expand the dough fastest? So, you know, they got the, like, the little doughs. They got to make them into a pizza size, like five. Yeah. How quickly can they make five of them? I think the record was like a minute and 12 seconds or something to like turn five of them into a full pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you've also got the acrobatics. So that's where people can like be juggling or you've got, there's two parts to it. You've got the master acrobats which um, first place this year was Scott Volpe. Good work, Scott. Well, then you, you got the freestyle acrobats, and that was Nathan Wilson. You know, everyone knew that Nathan was going to win. That was ah, that's his bag, isn't it? He can't win master, though, can he? Definitely. And then it, it even goes beyond just the pizzas, and it goes to the fastest pizza box folding. Yeah. So it's yeah, who yeah, can yeah. fold five pizza boxes the quickest which is quite a funny thing to watch on, on YouTube. And yeah, well done to, to David Whisker. Smashed it. Five boxes in 17.38 seconds. All right. Well, we then did TV, which was your choice. And uh, what do you remember about TV? It's absolutely mind-boggling how it works. Yeah. 
yeah like it's hard this episode if you want to listen to us not really be able to explain something even though we spent a week trying to learn about it tv's your one (laughs) (laughs) what i did like is there's not one single person who's attributed with making the tv so it's sort of like built on lots of little bits of technology over the over the years then you've got mother glass which is where the the screens now they the glass is cut to as big as it can possibly be without breaking on itself and then cut down cut down to the, the size that it needs to be yeah um and then just how clean the tv factories need to be is yeah and how is mind-boggling how a 4k tv has got 8 million pixels and all 4k tvs will have the same amount of pixels regardless of size they just have a slightly bigger pixel but 8 million if you've got a 4k tv in front of you it has 8 million little lights behind it and those lights are lit up one at a time running across the top of the screen yeah. one line at a time yeah 60 times a second like it that is nuts 480 million lights light up in a second like to make your tv work <laughs> anyway it is a bit hard on the old uh, technology isn't it i did say during the episode is a tv the best invention ever is it or the most used invention most used you said yeah most used i said it must be but this is not the greatest piece of um research but what i did is i googled best inventions or most important inventions ever Okay. And I, I clicked on like the first five links or whatever, top 20 inventions, history.com, science weekly, top whatever. So I clicked on all these websites. Not one of them mentions the TV. No. <laughs> Not one of them. Some of the ones that kept getting mentioned, right? The wheel, fire, the printing press. So the printing press to be able to print books. Like, so it, I, I was like, what on earth is a printing press? So it was like, it, it worked with our ability to disseminate knowledge. Like people could okay. write stuff down and then they could print a book and give it to somebody else. That's Yay. a really big deal when that first happened. Paper, electricity, the steam engine, telephones, cars, nails came up loads as in nails you use to hammer stuff together with, like so you can build buildings. So you, you must be getting pretty close to where TV is on the list. Yeah, go on, keep going. The compass, concrete, fridges, the internet, planes, like the telegraph. That, like, I know TV is obviously based off of like the similar technology, I guess, to a telephone, but it, was, it wasn't mentioned. It was, I don't think I saw <laughs> one where it said the television. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's even, it doesn't even crack the top 20 as far as I can tell. <laughs> oh, dear. But in terms of most used, so what is that? Not mobile phone. Oh, yeah, I yeah. looked at that as well. Mobile, Mobile phone, phone by miles, like literally billions of uses every second, like far ahead of everything else. Yeah. But I mean, all that technology of a mobile phone, if we ever did mobile phones as a topic, it's all coming off of TVs and, you know, normal, te- I don't know, mustn't it? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and then we had our listener choice episode. So yeah, yeah last thank week. you. Thank you very much to Mark for sending through the, the listener choice, which then won the vote on our Instagram. If you want to get involved next time, start sending us through topic suggestions. We love hearing topic suggestions and then we'll add them to the vote at two guys, one topic on Instagram. Um, so yeah, thank you. Natural gas is what we, we learn about. So Liam, tell me what's the, the standout thing for you? All right. I know I said this about 10 times just last week. Do you know what a coal power plant does? <laughs> do you know what power plants do? They take coal, they use coal to boil water on a massive scale. The water creates steam, the steam turns a turbine, the turbine creates electricity. So in a gas-fired power plant, they just do exactly the same thing with gas <laughs> instead of burning coal. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> those, those plants that are... 
those power plants that you see that are pumping out all that smoky stuff out of those giant pipe, those giant yeah. chimneys, they're yeah. just boiling water to use the steam to turn a turbine. Yeah. Yeah. What? Bit mind boggling. For me, it was how it's formed. So I didn't really realize that the gas would have then come from millions of years ago, dead animals and plants that as it then gets compressed and covered in sediment and then goes closer towards the earth, that there's a chemical reaction that then creates the gas. Um, and then the other thing that I found quite interesting was the whole process around flaring, where they then yeah. they decide that they're not going to use natural gas as a byproduct of drilling for oil. And it's not cost effective or economically viable for them to capture it. So they then just decide to burn it, which is why you see the coal fields, which are, are filled with it. Oh, and sorry. And the only other thing as well is that it's not good for the environment. So because it's called natural. Yeah. It's Better, actually, but not good. Better. Actually fossil fuel. Yeah. Better, but certainly not, not like super good. But yeah. So that sums up the series then. There we go. All all 12 weeks worth of episodes summed up in about 40 minutes. Yeah, nice. Pretty yeah. cool. So hopefully everybody's learned a little bit about loads of stuff there. And uh, you know, if you if you feel like you have, do let us know. Fire us a message or let your friends know. Um where is it you're suddenly learning all this little information from? Definitely. Yeah, hopefully it's working. As I said, I had a real life example in the the pub the other day with ChatGPT. Um, yeah. So it seems to work. It seems to work. Yeah. yeah, send us a message if you do at Two Guys One Topic. Uh, we'll probably take a couple of weeks break now, but I think we'll probably be back with another series sooner rather than later. So don't worry too much about missing us for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for now, let's just leave you on tenterhooks and say, actually, that might be the end. There <laughs> might not be another series <laughs> right in there. That is it. If you want another series, you have to send us a message. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Yeah, get in contact at Two Guys One Topic on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We'll be back with you on a Tuesday sometime soon. Until then, get out there and share some Two Guys One Topic knowledge. <laughs> <laughs>